Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know Chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are five chapters crammed into one night. Chapter 13, Jesus challenges the disciples to love one another. Chapter 14, Jesus launches an entire chapter to comfort the disciples. Chapter 15, Jesus begins the vine and the branch discourse. Right about verse 18, go to verse 18 with me in chapter 15. The tone and the tenor seems to change from Jesus. As Jesus tells them in verse 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, and remember I told you the class condition, if the world hates you, and it does, it hated me before it hated you. As we come to chapter 16, these are the last things that Jesus will say to his disciples. Chapter 17, Jesus begins to speak to the Father. But here in chapter 16, these are Jesus' last words to the disciples, and it's really interesting Saints, that Jesus' last words to his disciples are talking about the power, look at me, are talking about the power and the presence and the, 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 the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we were talking about that at men's breakfast yesterday, were we not? We talked about our need for the Holy Spirit. And so much of what we're doing in the church today is not spirit-led. So much of what we're doing in the church today is the flesh. So much of what we're doing in the church today is being led by the flesh and not the spirit. Yesterday, I think I quoted you, A.W. Tozer, didn't I? He said this, if the Holy Spirit were to be withdrawn himself from the church today, 95% of what we do would go right on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit were to be withdrawn from the church in the book of Acts, 95% of what they were doing would have come to a screeching halt. And everyone would have known the difference. Why? Because they trusted in the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of talk about we need to get back to the early church. Even just a couple of weeks ago, I remember a guy was telling me, I had met him, and he was saying, you know, the church today, we need to get back to the early church. We need to get back to the first century church. Listen, the, the early church was a church that realized that they were desperate. Are you listening The early church was a church that realized that they were in desperate need of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The early church realized that they were powerless without the Holy Spirit. The early church realized that they were powerless to be a martyr. Remember Jesus said, you're going to be martyrs for me? They were powerless to be a martyr without the Holy Spirit. The early church had a dependency on the Holy Spirit that in my humble opinion, I think is missing in the church today. Uh, Thomas Aquinas once said to Pope Innocent IV, while he was counting 
a large sum of money in the coffers of the Vatican, the Pope said, you see, Thomas, the church can no longer say silver and gold have I none. True, Holy Father, said Thomas in a calm voice, but neither can she say in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. You see, you, we've got the wealth, but we've lost the power. Can somebody say amen? The church in America has the wealth, but we've lost the power. And let me tell you something. I know that we have lost the power. When I hear the first lady of one of the largest churches and maybe arguably the largest church in the United States, Victoria Olstein, yeah, I said her name. Victoria Olstein says to her congregation, she said, quote, when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. Well, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gets him the greatest joy this morning. So what I want you to know this morning, she said, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church and you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy, end quote. Listen, will somebody please tell that to the Christian martyrs around the world? Will somebody please tell that to the disciples? Will somebody please, y'all need to pray for me, will somebody please tell that to Jesus? Because he don't even know that. Will somebody please tell Miss Olstein, God doesn't exist to make you happy. God is much more concerned with making you holy. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. And, and here's how it works, ladies and gents. Here's how it works. If you're holy, you'll be happy. But it doesn't work the other way around. Somebody clap your hands and say, that's right, Pastor. If you're holy, you will be happy. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you've been with us, Jesus said to his disciples, you're not going to be happy. Y'all been with me in chapter 13, 14, 15? Come on, raise your hand. You've been with me? Then you know it. Jesus said, you're not going to be happy. You're going to be hated for my name. You're not going to be happy because I'm leaving. I want you to look at chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go. It's to your advantage that I be arrested. It's to your advantage that I be beaten and mocked and sentenced to die. It's to your advantage that I am nailed to a cross. It's to your advantage that my lifeless body lays in a cold grave. It's to your advantage that I go because if I don't go, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when the helper comes, he's going to take the world to court. Is anybody listening? He's going to take the world to court and the verdict will be handed down and he will convict. Look at verse eight. He will convict the world of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. He will convict the world of righteousness because I go to my father. He will convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. We talked about it last week, didn't we? The problem with the world is not because they're adulterers. The problem with the world is not because they're crackheads. The problem with the world is not because they're homosexuals. The problem with the world is not because they're dancers. And we ain't talking about dancers with the stars. <laughs> Amen. The problem with the world is not because they're thieves and murderers or liars. The problem with the world is their refusal to believe in the only provision made for sin. 
The Holy Spirit is the remedy. And to refuse the Holy Spirit is to refuse the provision, the remedy that God has made for mankind to be saved. And again, if you take your last breath, having refused Jesus, there remains no hope, no provision for Christ's rejectors. Were you with me last week? We left off in verse 12, didn't we? Jesus said, I still have many more things to say, but you can't bear them this week. So Pastor Rodney will tell you more today. It's right there. Look at verse 12. It's right there in the Greek. If y'all read the Greek a little bit more, you would know what's in the scriptures. I've titled this sermon, The Work of the Holy Spirit, Part 2. Saints, we're picking up in verse 12 of chapter 16. If you're looking at verse 12, I want you to say, Amen. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, now listen, every time you see the word he, him, or his, I want you to circle it. Because I want to point out that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead bodily. He's not an essence or some energy or some force. Some saint need to say amen. He is a, a, a third person of the Godhead bodily. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. For whatever he hears, he will speak, but what, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it unto you. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus said, I still have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Last week we ended here, and I thought of this verse last week, and you might want to write it in your margins right there around verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, memory verse. It tells us the secret things belong to the Lord. There are many, many, many things that God doesn't choose to reveal to us. And I don't know about you, but I don't have a problem with that. Number one, because he is God and he can do that. If you're God, you can do what you want. Say amen. He's God. He can do that. And, 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 and there's many things that, that, that he doesn't choose to reveal to us that God doesn't show to us. Things that God didn't, you know, I, I'm actually glad about that, that God didn't tell me everything that I know right now the day that I got saved. Do you realize if God would have told me everything that I know right now the day that I got saved, I probably would have imploded. That would have been too much. It would have been just too much. You know, when I got saved, you know, I didn't know that much. Well, when I got saved, I didn't know the difference between an epistle and an apostle. I didn't care either. I didn't know what my eschatological position was. I didn't know the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism. As a Christian, I just shared what I knew. I shared what the pastor told us. I, I remember, I think I told you some time ago, when I first became a Christian, I used to get dressed up on Friday evening. Everybody would be in the barracks, and I was in the military, and I would be in the barracks, and, and uh, I would get all dressed up, and they'd be like, yeah, Finch, where you going? You sharp. Where you going? And I'll be going, well, I'm going to, you know, Finch, you sharp. And where you going? I'm going down. I'm going downtown. I'm going street witnessing. You're going street witnessing. You all sharp. You're going street witnessing. Yeah, I'm going street witnessing. I used to go street witnessing. I was one of those preachers who stand on the corner and yell at people. I was one of those preachers. And um, 
I said, yeah, people be, and I was wondering why everybody was walking on that side of the street. Nobody's walking on my side. I used to always go, why is everybody walking on that side of the street? And I'd be, hey, 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 you know Jesus? Come here, man. Do you know Jesus? And I would talk to him. And I, you know Jesus? No, I don't really know him. And, and I was, again, I was a new Christian. And maybe now I know that this is not the right way to evangelize, but this was all I knew. I had been a Christian for maybe 47 hours. So I, 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 this is all I knew. So I, I would say, hey, man, do you, do you, do you know Jesus? They go, no. I go, well, do you, yeah, you're going to hell. What? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the Bible says if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. They'd be on. Okay, bye, bye. You know, and, and and that's all I knew. I didn't know, but I was sharing what I did know. And you know what? We cannot hate on the Mormons, and we cannot hate on the Jehovah's Witnesses when they come knocking on your door in convenience hours on Saturday morning when you're having breakfast with your family, and they knock on the door. Hey, would you like to go to heaven? You can't hate on them because at least they're out there doing something. At least they're out there sharing something. Some of us Christians don't have not even told the person that we've been sitting next to for seven years in the cubicle next to us that we're a Christian. They don't even know that except for the Christian music they might hear coming out of your office every now and then. Y'all got me. Right? You haven't even told them you're a Christian. So, you know, you got to tell people that God loves them. That's all you really need to know when you're a Christian. Because at the bottom line, the bottom line, at the end of the day, saints, that is really all that matters. Your position on pre, mid, post, pan, tribulationist, your, whether you're Calvinist or an Arminianist, or whether you believe the rapture is coming here or there, or, none of that matters. The only thing matters is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Y'all need to clap your hands better than that. That's the only thing that really does matter. That's all that matters. And I want people to know Jesus. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. If God told me everything I know today, I would implode that Jesus says, I want to tell you more, but you can't handle it now. Look at verse 13. Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. Now, all truth speaks of, write it down, the word of God. I've often said this. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I love to teach. I tell you guys something. I told them second. I don't think I told them first, but I told I told them second. It's an it's a strange thing, and I really really can't um, really put it into words. But when I'm in this pulpit, I feel whole. I do. I feel whole when I'm when I'm here and. The, not that I feel like half when I'm out there. Don't y'all take it there, okay? Some of y'all are like, I knew he was bipolar. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that man was bipolar. It ain't like that. It's just that when I get to point, I love to teach work, and I love to teach guys. I love it when the men gather together. Fellas, y'all know what I'm talking about. When we gather together and we worship, it ain't nothing like hearing 300 men singing to the Lord. Somebody clap your hands and say, that's right. Even if you ain't never heard it, go ahead and clap your hands. It is awesome. And it's just men are easy to teach. Men are just, and don't get me wrong, ladies, I ain't hating on y'all. I love I love the ladies, don't get me wrong. I mean, but men are easy to teach. 
Men are, it is what it is. It just deal with it. Tell me what I got to do and let's get on with this thing. Women, you, even when I'm in preaching to women, you know, y'all got to be a little more careful with my words. Women, y'all get all sensitive. <laughs> women, are they all sensitive? Women are like, mm, he needs to say all that. <sighs> he needs to say, oh, you know what? I, I ain't listening no more. Matter of fact, I, I need you to get me up out of here. I don't know. Women are just, you know, oh, and men are like, look, just tell me what it is. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. What's going on? Tell me what I need to do. Let's just roll with it. Ain't that right, men? We just, and I love to teach men. I'm waiting. My <laughs> I love to teach men. And I love the Bible. And the Bible, listen, is the capital letters, bold, underscore, highlight, the most fascinating book ever. If you agree with that, I want you to clap your hands and say, I agree. Listen to these facts. We're talking about this spirit of truth, this truth that the Holy Spirit gives us. Listen at these facts about this truth. The Bible was written over 1,500 years ago or 1,500-year period by 40 different authors, and yet there's a complete unity and a complete agreement and no contradictions the Bible was inspired by holy men and written down by holy men. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 through 21 tells us that, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Can y'all get a hold of that? As Isaiah is writing, Isaiah 53, he is writing, for he is wounded for our transgressions and he is bruised for our iniquities. And by and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes uh, we were healed. Isaiah is writing that down, and it's the Holy Spirit moving his hands. He doesn't even know who he's writing about. Isaiah's writing, who was wounded for our transgressions? Who was bruised for our iniquities? Whose stripes have we been healed? Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Bible has 3,536,489 letters? New King James Version. 773,693,000 words. 31,209 verses. Um, 1,118 chapters, 66 books, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. I just learned this. The average word of the Bible contains fewer than five letters. Isn't that interesting? The average word in the Bible contains fewer than five letters. And we use all these big words in the church. And God doesn't. We use words like oh, uh, propitiation and pontificate. God doesn't use all that. God keeps it simple because he knows we can't take that much. Y'all say amen. Amen. The word Jehovah is recorded 6,855 times. The word Lord is recorded 1,853 times. The book of Esther contains 10 chapters. You will not find the word Lord or God in the entire book of Esther. The shortest verse in the New Testament is John eleven thirty five. It's two words. Anybody know? Jesus wept. The longest verse in the Bible is Esther 8, 9, and it contains 78 words. The longest word in the Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 1, 
and it's someone's name. Really interesting. It sounds like Maher Shala hashtag. <laughs> you can go look it up and see what you get out of it. That's what I, Maher Shala hashtag. That's what you need to name your son, his middle name. <laughs> What's your middle name? George. Mahashala hashtag. <laughs> what? Did you know the Bible is the first printed book? Did you know the Bible is the most translated book in the world? It's been translated into more languages and dialects than any other book ever printed. The Bible continues to be the best-selling book in the entire world. And maybe I can get a witness here. The Bible is the best book in the entire world. Can I get a witness there? And think about the historical aspect of the Bible, the historical accuracy of the Bible. The Gospel of Luke mentions Pontius Pilate, and for a long time the world thought that there was no evidence that he ever existed. And one day the amphitheater in Caesarea Philippi, if you go to Israel, Jerusalem with us, I'll take you to Caesarea Philippi to this very amphitheater. It was uncovered by an archaeologist, and they found a stone. And the stone read Pontius Pilotus Governor. And once again, the scholars crawled back into their holes and caused, and caused the Bible to be true. Somebody once said, every time a spade goes in the ground, it proves the word of God even more. Jesus said, look at verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth and he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now the spirit will guide you in all truth concerning the word. Did you hear me? The spirit guiding you to all truth concerning the word. It's not like he's going to guide you into all truth like physics. Say amen if you knew that. Or mathematics, all truth of history of some sort. No, all truth of the word of God concerning the word of God. All truth concerning doctrine and the person and the work of God. He will guide you into all truth. Now, saints, listen, turn your brains on. That implies, listen, that there is truth. Listen, read your Bible. He will guide you in all truth, not truths with an F, but truth. That implies that there is one truth. And according to Jesus, if you're a child of God and filled with the Spirit of God, you will know in your heart that there is one truth, the Word of God. Can somebody say amen? We have the Spirit. I'll wait while you clap. That's fine. We have the Spirit of truth dwelling in us. Colleges in America are teaching that there is no truth or that truth is relative. Can I get a witness? Truth is relative. relative. In other words, Truth is not always true. My question to them is, is that true? (laughs) Amen. People say, well, there's no absolute truth. Well, is that absolutely true? People say truth is relative. Well, is that absolutely true or is it relatively true? You see, we live in a culture where we want to establish our own truth. There are things that are relative and there are things that are absolute. And it is absolutely true that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes, nor has ever come, nor will ever come to the Father except by me. That is absolutely true. And the context, yeah, I'll wait. 
And the context, as I told you, it reads like this in the Greek language. I alone encounter distinction to all others am the way. I alone encounter distinction to all others am the truth. I alone encounter distinction to all others am the life. There's a real truth on this planet, and it's Jesus. And there are absolutes, and there are real rights, and there are real wrongs. And when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to make that plain and evident. Look at verse 13. He will not speak of his own authority. In other words, the Holy Spirit isn't going to say something different than God says. And God is not going to say something different than Jesus says. Are you listening? And Jesus isn't going to say something different than the Holy Spirit says. There's going to be a perfect unity and harmony in the Trinity. The spirit will not speak of his own. In other words, he won't seek to bring glory to himself. That the Spirit will not act nor speak independently of the Father and the Son. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.